<laughs> All right, we're golden. Perfect. Welcome to the TM3 Studios. I am super excited because today I'm going to get the chance to interview the one, the only, Christina Martinez. This is going to be a great show. You absolutely are going to need to hear this podcast. If there's any podcast, don't listen to the other ones. Listen to this one. That's the one. This is the one that's going to matter. Um, excited about our sponsors, of course, Luxury Home Magazine and Spanish Grove Academy, the best Spanish immersion pre-K academy in the city. Darn it. That's right. I said it. So today, Christina, are you excited to be here? Always excited to be here. All right. <laughs> well, listen, we're going to dive right in, and this is how we start every show. I want to know your San Antonio story, because, you know, most people, when they come in here, I, I want to know, how did they get to San Antonio? And for some people, there's an elaborate story, right? But we, we want the Cliff Note version. Let's... Get down to it. How did you end up in this amazing city? Okay. I, I'll have to try for the Cliff Note version. So from New Orleans, moved to Chicago, and from Chicago, moved to San Antonio. My mom had remarried during that time, and he was from San Antonio. So I had the choice, stay behind in Chicago or move with them. And I decided to move. I thought I love change and I loved San Antonio. We'd visit a lot. I thought it was romantic, the river walk. Mm -hmm. um, but it was an interesting transition, San Antonio. I didn't know what breakfast tacos were. I look like I speak Spanish, but I'm Italian. Yeah. So that was different. Um, and it's just a beautiful city, so much culture. Um, but I moved here in 95. 1995. Uh, something else awesome happened in 1995. That's right. Yeah. So you get to San Antonio. I'm sure you're like, okay, what in the world? What's going on? I'm your brain. You were what age? How old were you when you moved no, here? No, 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 no. No? We don't do that. Oh, we don't. Sorry. All right. She, she, she doesn't want to tell us. But she moved here and she was, we can at least say you were in high school, right? No, no, no. Is that fair? No. No, okay, sorry. She was not in high school, <laughs> darn it. So you get here, and the interesting thing is, is this is where our stories kind of cross paths. Yeah, we collide within two weeks of coming to San Antonio. Okay, talk about that. August 1995, I went to a quinceanera. I didn't know what that was either. Yeah. So I thought, oh my gosh, they're marrying off these girls in San Antonio at... 15. Um, but come to find out, it was like a sweet 16. Um, and I was watching uh, the mariachis play at the reception. And I always thought that was such a cool thing, mariachis. And this particular one had a woman singing. And I was just taken back. I was standing there listening to her. And I thought, I have to learn how to do this. I don't speak Spanish. I don't know a song in Spanish, but I have to learn. And then I look over to my left and there he was. Ah, there it is. My green-eyed prince. That's right. There you were. I was there. That's right. Now, the, the interesting part of this story, now we're going to get back to the mariachi because that, that's going to segue into something really important. Um, but I remember walking in with my cousin and as we walked in, I saw you and I thought, oh, there she is. I need to meet her. And then you were dancing with some dude all night. I mean, it was a quinceanera, so she was shaking and breaking it all night long. And I thought, oh, she's taken. I can rip it up. She can still to this day. <laughs> so, um... Fast forward, you and I end up talking and starting this beautiful friendship. Yes, because mom said we could only be friends. That's right. You were older. And we honored that, mom. Okay, Ms. Vivian, I just want to make sure for everybody, we honored that. Right, Christina? We did. We That's only right. held hands. We held hands secretly at the movie. Like this. Remember, it was like this. Hand. It was like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now... I, I think it's really interesting because I, I want to get to there. There was, there's a there's an incident in your life that that took place, right? And this was an incident, and and we're gonna we're gonna show a short video just so that everybody can see. So for everybody that's watching this podcast, if you're watching listening to the audio, here's what you need to do: go to YouTube and watch this on YouTube because we're gonna play something really important because this was an event that happened that we're gonna talk through. So let's go ahead and play that video. A woman nearly killed in a northeast side wreck on this day 14 years ago has found a way to give it new meaning. She's stepped outside her comfort zone to get past the painful memories and make a difference at the same time, as our Christina Coleman explains. Christina Martinez's voice lit up the Arneson River Theater. 
with every note, her inner strength shows. 14 years ago, this beautiful woman's face was badly injured. A driver pulled out in front of her, and Martinez was thrown through the windshield. She had to have reconstructive surgery on her face, and she was confined to a wheelchair for some time. And for years, this day, the day of her accident, was a dark one. It really, I think you get depressed when you have lived your life looking one way and then you have trauma like that. But instead of letting June 9th drag her down, today she's giving it new meaning by carrying out her passion for singing mariachi music. I want to just move past those moments of, you know, insecurity or lack of confidence and make this my moment. I thought if I don't do something now, it's going to be 20 years again from now. And so I thought, I wonder what about this day? Why don't I change this particular day? Her supporters love that she's going after her dreams. Take your moment and grab hold of it. She is a fighter. She's a person that will always carry a smile on her face. She will always be positive regardless of what's taking place in her life. Take it whatever it is. Maybe it's just getting out of the house. Do it. We only have this much time. You know, we only have so many Saturdays to live. And so it's not worth being depressed and worrying about what somebody else thinks about you or, or cares. It's just not worth it. Their heartfelt words from a woman who's making her dreams come true. Christina Coleman, Fox News at 9. So for those of you that watched this video, so for Christina, I want you to go back to that day. I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm sure you remember it because I, I knew where I was standing when I found out um, there was a car accident. So let's talk through that. This is a few years later. Let's talk through that. It's, so the I was, I mean... Just like any girl on a normal day, I was meeting a friend for a spa appointment that was important, right? Mm. <laughs> and just going down the street, unfortunately, there was a car that pulled out in front of me that didn't see me. And so I was going easily 40 miles an hour. So within five feet, we hit mm. um, full speed. Unfortunately, my seatbelt didn't hold and the windshield was faulty. So I went through the windshield. And suffered a lot of damage from that, of course. Um, I didn't realize it at the time. Um, I was kind of scrambling for my phone through the blurred vision. Um, and a girl came up to me. It was kind of like an angel. I literally only can remember seeing her from, you know, waist down. She was wearing an apron. Lo and behold, we actually found out that I worked for Marriott and she worked for Papado's right in the same area. So we were, I don't know, destined to meet. But um, I lived right down the street. And uh, I remember laughing and joking the whole time because I you were I was in an older model vehicle and I've always wanted a new car. And when my dad got there or actually the person I was like, oh, this means I get a new car. <laughs> <laughs> and then I could hear the ambulance and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go in an ambulance. Yeah. And they're like, no, we're going to airlift you. I'm going to go in a helicopter. You're mm. kidding me. Yeah. So I was a little bit um, more of the lighter side. I really didn't understand what had happened. And what yeah. had happened was, you know, severe damage. I had broken an ankle, broken an arm, and then, of course, you know, my face. Yeah. Um, but during that transition, I got to the helicopter. And I remember them telling me, hey, everything is going to be just fine with technology today, you're not going to have a scar on your face. Yeah. And I didn't, that didn't resonate. I didn't understand what that meant. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. I literally in my mind, I was like, Oh, okay, great. Thank you. Scar. What was she talking about? Yeah. I could feel damage, you know, in my arm, my leg, but what does that mean? So, you know, they rush you right in. There's a lot of people going at you at the same time, your clothes are being cut off. And I got gurneyed right into a waiting area for my parents because I immediately needed to go into surgery. And all I kept thinking was, my clothes are gone. <laughs> <laughs> can anybody see me? I, yeah. I don't know if that's the adrenaline part of it, right. but I thought, can anybody see? I, yeah. I'm shy. You yeah. know that. Yeah, it's true. So my parents came in, you know, said, hello, you were there, yep. said hello. I remember. And you were still cracking jokes. I'd like to say same. Right in the, like right up into going into surgery. I just really didn't understand. So coming yeah. out of surgery, you know, that was probably more pain, you know, coming out of surgery and then the surgery, you know, to follow that. But I remember sitting in the hospital room and my mom was there, of course, and I don't, there was no one else there at that moment, but the first visitor, I don't know who, who they were. Um, and I still didn't understand 
the amount of injury, right? I knew I was in pain and I knew that this wasn't probably really good, but it was all very surreal. But I'll never forget my mom going towards the door because she could hear someone and she was saying hello. And then I could, I had bandage over my eyes and my nose and my eyes weren't open at the time. They were closed for a couple days. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know who was there and I couldn't see reactions on people's face. Thank God. But I could hear just the tiniest gasp Mm. from the person who came in. Mm. And I heard my mom say, oh, no, 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 no. And she ushered them right out the door. And I thought, oh, that can't be good. And of course, no mirrors, yeah. no reflection. Yeah. And um, so for a couple of days, I sat with the bandage over my eyes. And, um, but then it was taken off. Mm. And that was really tough. Yeah. Because Do you remember the first time you saw it? No, no. It was a long time after that. But this is the oh. first time I have to look people in the eye. Ah, uh, gotcha. Because your look, you, my mom, my friends, your look to me is going to tell me what you see. Yeah. Because I don't know. Yeah. Nobody is giving me a mirror. Yeah, because you didn't see it in the mirror. Ah. No. Okay. Um, you don't have to go to the restroom necessarily, right? right? And... um. I remember when the bandages came off, I had a hard time making eye contact with anyone Yeah. because I didn't know what they were going to look at me like. And for you, it was even more important because here I'm yeah. your girlfriend. Right. We weren't married. We weren't engaged. You had no, yeah. you know, obligation to me. And I had that point been told, you know, you suffered some damage to your face, you know, things like that. You're going to need reconstructive surgery. And I remember sitting, you were on my right side. And I remember, which is the side, right? I'm on my good side right now. Mm -hmm. But you sat there and I remember just looking up, you know, it's like that, you know, when children can, can't make eye contact with you. Mm -hmm. It was like that. Like, I want to look you in the eye, but I can't because I'm scared of what's going to be looking back at me. And you used to have this, you know, you got those pretty green eyes and you would always give me the look. Mm -hmm. And I still do. Honestly, it was at that moment, you know, and you should have tissues really, but it was that moment that you did, you gave me that look and I just couldn't understand it Mm. because just thereafter, I remember being rolled into the bathroom area to get prepped and they had this old, I was taken to the university hospital. It was amazing care, amazing people, amazing nurses, but it's an older hospital and there was a rusted um, toilet paper dispenser mm. with not very good reflection. If you can imagine like yep. a stainless steel and I could see a blurred vision of what I looked like with this bandage over and all these scrapes and scratches. Um, you can't see it now, but I had this one area that was like a hole in my cheek that they couldn't stitch together. So I could see, I just looked like a very beat up person. Um, but I knew it was worse than that. But that was um, the beginning. I mean, then to go to the next, you know, surgery and the recovery, and there's so much more. I mean, it's a huge story. I don't want to. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting is what I remember is we got to go on a date at the hospital. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we got to, I uh, came up and uh, I mean, I, all the nurses knew. Everybody knew that I was coming. And I remember right, we got to wheel around the, because uh, you had your, your chair, your wheelchair, because your ankle was, you know, it was, it was broken. And, uh, and we just wheeled around the hospital. I think I remember Red Hots. I don't know if that's true, but I thought we had Red Hots that night, the little candy Red Hots. I don't know if that's true or it's not. True. Uh, it's true. Is <laughs> yeah. that right? And we just kind of wheeled around and just talked and hung out and mm-hmm. it was fun. You know, I mean, obviously there was a lot of pain, right? And I was just writing something just the other day in my journal and and, uh, based off the book that I was reading by David Goggins and and he talks about that, that, uh, and this idea of suffering and pain and I kind of related it to like a bookmark, right? Like a bookmark in a book, right? That suffering and pain becomes this moment in time where you can kind of go back to. So when you go back to it, what immediately starts coming to mind when you go back to that bookmark? Uh, People. People. The community. I mean, everyone. I I, honestly, of course, my my mom is my um, cornerstone. Yeah. I'm telling you, you should have had tissues. I know. (laughs) My mom is my cornerstone in that she wouldn't 
let me, I guess, absorb too long, too much. Mm. And, but my mom wasn't the only one because all of my memories during the hospital was, you know, um, our good friend, you know, Pete and Karen Velos, every morning Pete would bring me tacos. They had horrible hospital food. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bland, right? Bring right. me breakfast tacos. There he was in the morning, you know, at my company friend. When everybody was sleeping, it was like six, seven in the morning. There he was. Hmm. Um, my really great friend, Laura, every day, you know, um, helping me with things that I could only be grateful for the rest of my life for. Um, you visiting every day, so many people visiting and keeping my spirit alive. And that didn't stop at the hospital. It kept going, but there were a few distinct moments. The, the date was one of them. You're such a silly guy. Like I didn't understand, like you didn't go away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, most people, again, you weren't my fiance. You, you weren't married. You didn't have to stick around. Um, you're very handsome. Everyone would agree. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you were sticking around for a bum girl. We're going to get to a, a second date in a second. But um, I remember coming out of the second surgery, which was probably harder than the first surgery. Yeah. Because the second surgery was when they did reconstruction on my face. And then I got screws in my ankle and pins in my arm. And it was awful. But if you can imagine your face just getting scrubbed of glass, you know, and then putting a skin graft. And I just felt like I was wearing a bowling ball on the top of my head. And I remember the next day they want to get you out of the bed. I knew there's all these medical reasons why, but as a patient, you're like, please, for the love of all that's good, I cannot get out of this bed. And I remember they gave me grace. They were like, I, I remember sitting at the end of the bed and thinking, I can't do this. I cannot get out of bed. And here comes the community. The next day, they're not giving you grace. You're getting out of bed. And you probably remember this. It's They want you to get on crutches. Now, how do you get on crutches with two screws in your ankle and pins in your arm. You're just kind of like, how do you crutch? So they give you, do you remember that brace? Which mm -hmm. is why I was in a wheelchair for some time because you can't wear crutches, but they wanted me to do it anyway. So I remember they have this contraption with steps on each side and a landing. Do you remember this? Yep. yep. And it was you and Laura and a lot of other people around. And I just refused to want to do this, but it was such the moment later that I think about that community moment where if it wasn't for you all taking me to come up these two steps, a landing and two steps and get back to the bed, it was the hardest thing I could possibly think of doing at that moment. Mm. It was awful, but there you all were. And that was exactly what took me through the next six months and years thereafter was people showing up, not letting me sit around the house, mm. people showing up and um, not letting me be bummed out. My mom connected me with the time, um, Trudy, the yeah. church, you know, um, uh, I don't know. She did all the accounting and reception and everything. And Trudy would come up and pick me up every day. And I would work with her with my bum leg and I would, you know, crawl on a, or move around on a chair, mm -hmm. but she, cause I couldn't work, but she wouldn't allow me to stay home. So by my mom forcing me out and my friends and my family refusing to let me wallow in my sorrows, I had no choice. Yeah. And it wasn't that there weren't times, um, I've shared with you before my, no, no, no mirrors, right? No, nothing. And I came home from the hospital. This is why I think you're crazy that you still liked me. Do you know the lemons that you get at the luxury restaurants, right? They're mm. wrapped in the little yellow squeeze. Oh, yeah. Right? I literally had a lemon squeeze with the fabric and all mm -hmm. on my nose. I remember. When I came home. Yep. And it's that part was of the skin graft. The skin graft. Yep. I hold the skin graft. And I looked awful. I mean, come on. So my mom positioned a hospital bed in her house. There was a sitting area right outside her master. They moved all the furniture out, put this hospital bed in, but they didn't take away all of the um, pictures. She had this huge collage of pictures. And there I sat at this wall to look at all of the pictures of my life from the youngest of age to current. Mm. 
And I remember thinking to myself for years, and every woman suffers from this, feeling insecure, like getting in the mirror and picking little things, you know, oh, I wish my eyebrow was this way or wish my nose didn't have a little bump or, you know, oh, a little pimple, right? Hmm. And now I'm looking at these pictures and thinking, I should have been grateful. Mm. Are you kidding? Yeah. So my parents would help me. This one morning, it was probably a few days and I was very much still on medication. So I hopped over to the fireplace where my mom had this big um, mirrored clock. Mm-hmm. It was about what, three foot in That's diameter? Huge. Yep. And it was the first time that I could privately look and pick at the new face mm. that I had in the mirror. And I remember thinking, I don't want to live like this. Mm. Mm. You should add tissues. <laughs> I know. I blew it. Yeah. And I, it's emotional to talk about, not because I, I don't want to live, but because the girl that was there, 19, didn't want to live. Yeah. And I think about my life today, whew, what I would have missed. Yeah. So true. And then you. So let's pass it up so I can stop crying. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think it's interesting. I remember going to the house and I remember sitting there and I remember there was a lot of pain, right? There's a lot of suffering. Um, but, uh, you know, I looked at it like I always knew you're, you're, you're way stronger than you even knew you were, you know, just knowing your mom and knowing uh, the struggles, you know, knowing what you had been through when you were younger, I, I knew you were strong and I knew you could get through it. And, and you know, uh, when you're in the midst of pain, when you're in the midst in that, you know, in the storm, I mean, how do you see your way out? And I love that you said, you know, that, that bookmark, it's people, right? Like it's, it was the people, it was everyone around you. And there were so many people from church. There were so many people that just kind of like just swarmed. And like you said, they didn't want you to, to kind of stay in that place. But I think here's here, I guess, you know, knowing that, and I really appreciate you sharing your story, baby. I, I, I know it, but I appreciate you sharing it. But I think the one thing too that I think about is that you 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 didn't change, right? Like even though there was a physical change that you felt, but in my mind you, there was no change. You were still you, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and so I think. When, when we, people that saw that video, they saw, okay, they saw the accident, right? And then they're sitting there going, she sings mariachi. <laughs> like, what, what in the world? But I think there's one story that they don't know. And this is a deal that the first time that I met Christina at that quinceanera, you got up on stage and you sang Via de la Rosa in front of this massive crowd, 500 people, acapella, just blew the doors off people. And, um, I don't, I don't think people really understand how beautiful your voice is. Oh. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I have to put you on the spot. Oh my gosh. I think I should put you on the spot. I think you got to give them just, just a taste of the beginning of that song. Oh, Via De La Rosa. Via De La Rosa. I'm going to have to start practicing this song because this is the yeah. second time you've put me on. I know. I you, know. You must like this song. I love this. Well, this is the first song I ever heard you sing in front of 500 people that, that might've had beer. Maybe they had a lot of beer, right? but literally the entire crowd just went silent. It was unbelievable. I still remember to, to this day sitting, standing behind you watching you sing that. So the song, just to give you some history, I, I've always loved to sing, but I was very shy. Did I mention that? Right. (laughs) I grew up to be nearly outgoing as you are, but you definitely have me overdone like this. You, you're like this at six in the morning, no, probably earlier, but Via Della Rosa, um, is a, is a beautiful, very spiritual song, but it's English and Spanish sung by Sandy Patty. And I learned it when I was younger and my mom loved that it was Spanish. It was the first attempt at Spanish. I didn't even know what I was saying, but I tried. My mom, now being in San Antonio, always wanted me to sing this song because my um, stepdad's family was all 
from Mexico and spoke Spanish. And they lived here in San Antonio. Yes. Yep. Hence the reason why we're at a quinceanera. Yep. So they had a singing contest and I was not planning to be part of it. I have no song. My mom insisted that I played. And my mom, growing up, that would be the battle. She would just beg for singing and I would just die just mortified of right. fear of people. So I get up and I sing this Via Dolorosa song. Okay. Ready? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Okay. Show them. You want to drink a water before? No. No? Okay. Go ahead. Oh my goodness. Down the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem that day, the soldiers tried to clear the narrow street. But the crowds pressed in to see the man condemned to die on Calvary. You love that song? Wow. You love me. I will tell you that, um, I mean, people talk about the recipe for our marriage, and mm. I won't say it on the podcast, because right. I think I freaked you out the other day when right. I said it at the hotel. Right. But um, I'll never forget, it was like, what, a few, a week or something, you were working at gyms uh, oh, yeah. going to college. Uh, this is a week after the accident. Yeah, a week yeah. after the accident, yep. waiting tables. My mom comes over, Tomas, Tomas called. He wants you to go to, to visit him at work. Uh, no, <laughs> this is a gym zone Blanco and 16 to four for everybody that knew me that I, I opened that restaurant and I, I was as fresh out of the hospital as I could get. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to embarrass your coworkers and your friends and come up this girl in the wheelchair all broken up. And I remember crying to my mom, please don't make me go. No, 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 you're going. <laughs> and there you were. We showed up. I wasn't excited about it. I couldn't look anybody in the eye and you were so excited. What do you want to drink? What do you want to eat? You mm. want some tortilla soup? <laughs> it's the best tortilla soup in San Antonio. But you didn't care. You weren't embarrassed. I thought you're going to be embarrassed. This is, you're going to introduce people to me that I'm your girlfriend. You're crazy. <laughs> but you weren't embarrassed. And nope. um, you've always supported me. Um, yep. The Alchemist talks about how, oh, you really love that deep. book. You know, it's beautiful how the universe conspires to help you. Yep. That doesn't always resonate with everyone. And I, I remember reading that book and thinking, that's my truth. But before six years ago, because we're going to get to the, you know, the performance. But before that day, I felt like the universe conspired against me. Mm. You know, growing up in New Orleans with a single mom who I love my mom and my mom did everything possible that she could. And she surrounded herself with the community. And at the time when I was four, we're going to get, you know, real deep and open up because I think that just because you have hardship doesn't mean the rest of your life is going to translate into that, that the universe does conspire to help you. That's right. You just don't have all the puzzle. We're missing some pieces. That's right. But growing up in New Orleans and that community, she couldn't make it on her own. So her church community had encouraged her to give her children, my sister and I, to a foster home in Arkansas, Hillcrest. And I vividly remember those memories. And you and I visited on a whim one time to go see that, have closure on that. And I was embarrassed about that for many years, growing up poor or having that as part of my story. It was the thing that you didn't talk about. Today, I'm proud of every single detail. So the, how I felt that it conspired against me was here I have that. And then life was very difficult. And then life got better and then difficult. I mean, you know that, yep. right? And then the accident, like, what did I do? I remember thinking that. And I actually read a book like, this doesn't feel like love. Why me? And people say that all the time. Why me? Right? But then the good happens. Then the bad happens. And then the good. But it all comes together for good. And I think you and I, you know, um, I remember um, when I got... Um, through the accident and of course everything, I got a settlement, very small. Right. And um, I wanted to be wise and invest it mm -hmm. and we lost it. Yep. Yep. And it was 
what I call my, my blood money. Yeah. It's over. It's done. And I'll never forget if it wasn't for John McNair giving me an opportunity at 24, 24 years old, everybody else was double my age. I made by 25, six figures. And I well paid for that many years later, but only because he opened the door and paid that path for us. Yep. And here, little by little, I felt how it wasn't conspiring against me. It was for me. Yeah. Yeah. And today, you know, so I just had the milestone. Yep. And we talk about age and I'm, I'm super, super confident of where I am today. I'm so happy with every facet of my life. Yeah. And I look at the girl, that's why the emotion, mm-hmm. I look at the girl in the, who looked in the mirror and thought, I don't want to live another day. Yeah. And it saddens me because had she not, yeah. wouldn't, exp- and I, I feel like they're separate people. Yeah. You know, the Christina before, which I, I think it's interesting for you to say that I was the same. Yeah. But the Christina before, the Christina during this turmoil, we'll mm-hmm. call it, and then the Christina after. But I mean, I have a beautiful son, a beautiful family. I love my little house. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Friends, I mean, all of our family, all the experiences that we've had, so many amazing experiences. Yep. But had I focused on that the universe was conspiring against me as early as four years old, I would have never made it to here. Right. And this opportunity, the, the opportunity that we have now, starting Luxury Home Magazine, because most people, you know, the, the, the reality is, is that, you know, Christina had the idea to start Luxury Home Magazine. That was her, like, we need to get this magazine. We need to start it. Now, we didn't know what Luxury Home Magazine was at the time. We were just going to start a luxury publication. And I remember uh, on the cruise talking about this and going back and forth, like, what would that look like? How could we do it? And then one day, we, um, my mom came in watched Enzo. We went to local coffee on Santerra and we literally typed in luxury home magazine and we found it was a franchise. And, and then in December of 2010, we get from Brad and Kathy, the, the, uh, FedEx box. And we opened that box up and like this was, Christmas gift. this was like a Christmas gift and it was all the luxury home magazines from all over the country. And we're looking at all these magazines going, we could do this in San Antonio. Do you remember that? Yeah. Wasn't that crazy? And at that time, I was a, a in, in the teaching career. I, I, you know, I got my master's and I, you know, hey, I'm going to be a principal. Yay. You know, and here we are looking at this opportunity to start a magazine. And eight years later, we, you know, we've, we've put together something really special in San Antonio. So what were your thoughts when you saw that first, uh, those, those magazines from the other cities? What did you, what do you remember thinking? The Hawaii is so beautiful. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that's the envy, you that's know, right. the magazines of by, by beauty. Of course we have the best magazine, but, that's right. um, I think we got to be part of luxury home magazine so that we could meet some amazing, amazing other owners, but more importantly, the president and who started all of it, Brad and Kathy Taylor. Yeah. I mean, they're my heart. Yeah. I mean, they're such awesome people. And along the way, I'm sure everyone does this. You collect those beautiful people that have inspired your life and changed you and, you know, moved you in another direction. But, um, wow, if it wasn't for what they created and us being part of it, you know, it just became part of our story. Yeah. A big part. And then that leads to the purchase of Spanish Grove Academy. And, uh, I remember Christina came to me one day and she said, no, 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 hold on. Let me, oh. let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> she came to me and she said, uh, the school and Enzo had been a student at the school and we loved, loved our friends loved it. I mean, we were so in love with the teachers, so in love with the school. And we found out that they were selling the school. And, uh, and she told me that. And I remember sitting there going, Oh, we went to our favorite lunch, uh, breakfast spot, Vita Mia, Vita for Mia. those of us, shout out to Vita Mia in Stone Oak. And I sat there and I looked at her and I said, we need to buy the school. And, and what was your response? Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> you were like, <laughs> I no. don't know. You were like, really? Why? And, oh. I, go, and I was like, it's, it's, I mean, what other opportunity when this, would this ever happen 
to even remotely be in a position to do something like this, right? Um, and so we did. It took about eight or nine months, yeah. and we finally closed. And, and uh, we've been the proud owners for the last three years. And and I'm I'm interested to know, you know, because. I, with the education background, with everything that I know, I have to tell everybody listening is that this is truly everything that's happened there is my wife. I literally, I, I cannot take any credit whatsoever. What you've been able to do, it's, it's amazing. And all of those hardworking hours have really come about to create something really special with what we're doing there. And so I'm just curious, you know, during that, again, there, there was a lot of suffering. There was a lot of pain going through that building it, kind of, you know, getting things in the right place, finding the right people to put on the bus. I'm, I'm curious what you, during that, uh, the last years, what have you learned most from getting that business, taking it over and getting to it is to where, uh, getting it to where it is today? Sure. I, I think starting a business and taking over business, I've definitely learned they're very different. Right. I mean, it is painted very different. The legacy of Spanish Grove, what was built by Carla Montano, the founder and her son Alvaro is part of it, um, was a beautiful thing. And um, the director, Stephanie, you know, Hayburn is still, you know, a friend of ours today. We loved it. And for me coming in, I wanted to preserve what was created and, and just grow it, help it to the next step. And without, you know, growing pains would, I mean, that would be crazy to say that none of that could ever happen in any business. It's always going to happen. Um, but people do matter. But sometimes you have to go through the growing and really learn before you're ready for the next step. Mm. And going back to, you know, the conspiring part, there were times where I felt like I'm underwater. I'm in an industry that I don't really understand and know I don't have the education background. I definitely understand creating processes and efficiencies and, and growing a business and marketing development, all of those great things, tools, but not necessarily how to run a school. Um, but I learned so much and had so many amazing people that were put into my life to create what Spanish Grove is today right. compared to what it was for us. And I really think that today the right people and the right circumstances are in place. Yep. And 100%. It, I mean, I sent a video to you the other day. They did Musica y Movimiento. <laughs> I right. can't say that very well. Remember, I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. And I was so proud, so proud. They're in the gymnasium. And at one point I sent you the second video, which was they brought all the kids of the week who had a birthday into the center for all of the assembly of kids to sing happy birthday to them and how special that was. But the kids were so excited. Mm. And I think Spanish Grove, I always thought I would have more than one. We have one and I love him. Um, but it was our gift, right? Mm. Spanish Grove gave me over a hundred kids that yeah. I could know their names and who they are and watch them grow up and be moved by them and laugh at them and just tell stories. I mean, it was, it's, it's part of now my story yep. that it should have been yours. You're the teacher, right? right? <laughs> um, but it was I look at life and people, I mean, we have a staff of almost 30. There's so many people that are connected now that I have learned so much. Yeah. And that, that it goes back to what you talked about, you know, in, in that bookmark of pain and suffering, it goes back to people, right? It, it always goes back to the community and people. And so then you, uh, if we, if we go back and people that watched that video, they saw you singing mariachi, which I, I mean, if, if you've never heard Christina sing mariachi, uh, or if you're catching this podcast and you're like, what, wait, go back and watch and you'll see Christina sing a little bit. Um, talk about that concept concert you put on, um, it was the anniversary if I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, um, just to go back a little bit in December of, of the year prior, we were at Christmas time. Of course, here comes my mom yep. sing for me. <laughs> and, um, somehow we got to Spanish songs or something. I had learned after I saw the woman who did mariachi, I always thought mariachi was so cool. It's so vibrant and lively. And I had visited Mexico and had visited San Antonio and saw mariachis. I always was 
you know, taken by it, but never saw a woman. I didn't know that that was part of it. So that night that we met and seeing that woman, immediately I came and learned Tusolutu by Selena. Yeah. And um, when I was in Chicago, that's how I found out about Selena. Um, So learning that song almost 15 years, I never did anything with it. Mm. I just learned it. And so I thought, you know what? Forget it. I'm doing something with this. I'm going to sing a mariachi song. I'm going to go to a restaurant. I don't know what I'm doing. I want to sing in front of everyone this thing that I've learned. It's a a genre, you know, and I always love to hear songs. I may not learn the whole thing just to know how to sing that way. I love classical. Mm -hmm. I also love rap music. It's true. (laughs) I don't like polka. It's all on every spectrum. So it, it, changed. One day we were driving together and I thought, okay, when can I do this? When should I do it? And it just hit me. I'm going to do it on the anniversary. Every year I hate this day. Mm. I want to stay inside. I don't want to be in a car. I don't want to do anything. I just want to wallow in my suffering. Cause remember it took me that many years. It's now would have been 14 years at that point where I'm, I'm still that same way. Mm. I, I see it as a negative mm-hmm. that Making that music concert on that anniversary, I thought, I'm going to change that day. When I think about it, I'm going to think about the day that I was on the Arneson River Theater, the most beautiful theater with the river walk. It's a million degrees outside. The bottled water was like hot tea Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it was so hot. But I'm going to remember this beautiful day where my family and my community, my friends came to root for me, even if it's just my mom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We know that. There's more, but that day is going to become special to me. So I went out, I reserved the Arneson River Theater and all the little parts and pieces, mariachi. You had one of the best mariachi in San Antonio. Yeah. Amazing. Yep. Um, Sounds like an orchestra. Right. I called my friend Carlos and I said, Carlos, you have to sing for me. And he's like, it's about time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so we, we practiced some songs literally in weeks because I didn't tell anyone I was having it because I was having cold feet. I didn't announce it until we had it on a Sunday. I announced it on, I think it was Friday. Yeah. And that Friday, a friend called me. And uh, now, mind you, I don't sing you know, at that time to my friends or, you know, how you get new friends and new family community. Yeah. A lot of people don't know. No. And I didn't talk about my accident. That was as taboo as my past, right? Don't do that. Don't talk about that. You know, don't look at me, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. I got a phone call from a friend who, um, was, an anchor and she said, Hey, we'd love for you to talk about it. And at the time we had made the concert a benefit. So any money that we had raised, you know, would go to any BB can. Mm. And she said, um, you know, can we, can we do a story on you? I was like, Mm-mm. Yeah. I don't do photos. I don't do video because I wanted to hide from the camera, mm. not be in front of it. And she's like, Oh, do you know if they had any footage of that day? Because after I called you, you're like, you have to do it. It's for a good cause. I'm like, fine, it's for a good cause. I'm going to do it. (laughs) So they ended up being the TV station that aired my accident 14 years ago. So the footage that you saw, I never saw. Right. So they brought me into the studio. I had an interview um, with Cassandra. And at that moment, it's like Oprah they're showing the person that hit me, which during I, the interview, yes, during yep. the interview, yep. the person that hit me, the woman, she's in the video, my car, the whole details. And I'm in shock. Like I can't talk. She's like, what are you thinking right now? I'm like, I don't know what I literally like my Oprah moment. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, um, after that studio, interview, I went home and I wanted to die. Mm. I remember calling you and I regretted every moment of it. Mm. What did I do? I just told the world about the things I don't want to talk about my accident and singing. I, I don't want to talk about it. And then it aired Mm. and I watched it and it changed the course of my life forever. It validated me. It, it gave me um, purpose. 
and not purpose for my life, but it made me feel like if I could change someone's view of themselves or what they felt like, one person watching thought they could never come out of the house because they don't want to look at anybody in the eye, right? Mm -hmm. And they wanted to wallow in their suffering. If I could move and change that, that feeling of one person, I get it. But now my story is told and I can't go back. That's right. Then we did the follow-up and I... If you notice, uh, there's two interviews. My energy was different. Completely. No, I, I the mean. The one, that video that they just watched, it's completely different. It's so true. I yeah. was like, this is your moment. Take hold. And that's how I felt. It literally within 24 hours or whatever yeah. time, it changed me. And for now, six years changed me. Yeah. And it, it became my badge. My past is, and then I could, you know, um, also, uh, take in and understand my past all the way to my childhood. And it's my badge because you and I both got here, but our journeys are way different. Oh yeah. And I'm, it almost feels like, and don't take this wrong way, but I'm better than you. Yeah. And a pride that my journey was rough and I still made it to where you are. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. It's like the, the college student who was from, you know, the South side of Chicago who didn't have the money to make it happen. And the Ivy league, you know, family who, you know, got their child in both of them, super awesome people, super great that they went, but the journey for the one was truly a journey. And so I don't take anything for granted. And, you know, I think about that idea of all the details of my life. I want people to understand that it's okay that you didn't feel like the universe is conspiring for you, but it certainly is. You just got to wait for the rest of the movie to happen, you know? So I think that became, you know, so going back to the, the, um, the concert, I remember getting a text message from a friend that helped me that day. And I, I don't remember the exact words, but in essence, what she told me was she felt like me coming out with her story made her connect with hers to where, cause sometimes our stories can embarrass us, yep. right? And make us insecure. But she felt like that changed her. Mm. And there it was, yep. that one moment, it was all worth it. Yep. So mariachi, yeah, it was super cool. I mean, yeah. so not to put you on the spot, but I, I think they need a, just a little taste. Yeah. <laughs> I think they, they gotta hear you belt out a little mariachi. Yeah. Which song you wanna do? Um, well, do solo do was the one that I yeah. learned. How about that? Okay, that'll work. Okay. Yeah, hit him. All right. Mira como ando mi amor por tu querer borracha y apasionada no más por tu amor. There you go. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So I, I think, you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. I, I, I talk about this with my dad about, uh, you know, the, the, the butterfly in the cocoon, right? You know, you've got, you, you've got this butterfly that's in the cocoon. And, and there's a story of a gentleman who he sees the butterfly struggling and he, he takes a really sharp scalpel and he actually, he cuts a little slit so that the butterfly could come out. But, but he doesn't realize He's, he's actually hurt the butterfly because now all of that struggle to get out of the cocoon, it builds the wings. It makes the wings strong enough so that it can actually fly. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I look back on, on your life and our, our life together, right? It's like, there are moments where we both have to go through that struggle, we have to go through a little bit of that pain so that we can become stronger. And, you know, if, if, if your friends met that saw you when you were 20, 24, and they saw you today at, you know, whatever age you are today, right? Uh, if they saw you, 40. they would, they would let 40. Oh, she said <laughs> it. I love it. Okay. 40. If they saw you at 40, they would literally be like, whoa, because you're, you're, you know, million times stronger because of what you've gone through, yeah. you know, and you're, you're not, you're, you're not, you are, you are the same person. You are Christina, but you're more powerful. You've leveled up. Oh, absolutely. I think there's, there's two um, quotes that I love and I'll try to remember them when she stood in the storm and the wind didn't blow her over. 
she readjusted her sales. Yeah. And that is, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like that at the moment. I mean, you're not strong, but people around you are, Mm. and they can see clearer and they can see you. And so to think that you're going to go in secret with your struggle, whatever it is, and you're going to box it up and put a little bow on it. And I'll never forget getting a text message after I sent out that email and a friend said, Hey, I think your, your email account has been hacked. This is Tammy. <laughs> your email account has been hacked. I remember um, this. Cause I got this crazy email about you in an accident and singing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's me. And she's like, wait, you, you sing? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. you were in an accident. Cause I didn't share that. And, and that time had passed for me, but when you're in the storm, yeah. you've got to let somebody help you because if you don't, you think you can do it on your own. You're not thinking clearly Yeah. as the girl stands in front of the mirror. You're mm-hmm. not. So what would you say? How do you, how do you propose that people that, that cause I mean, there may be somebody that's listening right now that's in the storm. And so how do they reach out in a way or allow others to help them? So the word that comes to mind, vulnerable. I mean, mm. you've got to be it. So you don't have to pick 10 people to share your most vulnerable story with, but you've got to pick one. Mm. And that one can look like your, your parents, your friends, your spouse. Um, if you don't have any of that or want, uh, there's a community out there for whatever you're going through. They've, they've set them up because people have what you have. They just, it just looks different. Mm. I remember people saying, Oh, look at so-and-so she made it through. And I could not see that because I'm like, Oh, well, so-and-so circumstance is not the same as mine. And that is true. Similar, but not the same because we all are, we all are unique. So if it's not a community, maybe it's your church, maybe it's an organization, it's anyone wants to listen. We're made that way. We want to help other people. So there's somebody out there who wants to hear your story and help you through the storm. And if it's not that person to permanently get you out of the storm, it's the person to lead you to the next person that leads you to the next person who will finally get you out of the storm. Right. And I think taking for granted that community, whether it's multiples or one, it has to happen. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Do you, do you, do you think that what it really boils down to is just sometimes it's just opening up and actually just letting it come out of your mouth? Like just, just, it's that piece of just saying, I'm going to open up and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. This is me. Right. So I, I have on, you know, my social media account, like this is part of my story because I, I want to always be proud of, of this, my scars. Right. So I think, um, there's a hashtag living with scars or hashtag living with scars. I said the same thing, but mm-hmm. one is living with scars uh. and the other one is living with scars. You got to pick one and it's your story. So either you're going to come out of it and be proud of it, and that's your badge, and say, you know what, I did this, and I want to look back six months from now and say, I made it through that, and it was scary, and it was hurtful, and I didn't like it, none of it was comfortable. Or you're not, you're going to be in your house, and you're going to be depressed, and everything else around you is going to become doom and gloom. But life's so nice, there's so many things, I mean, we could fill this room with all the things that we've done in the last 20 years. Could we yep. not? Yep. And that was two years prior or a year prior to, um, the accident, 20 years. And I have more to go. That's right. But I would have missed it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate you sharing your story again, <laughs> and this time with, uh, our podcast, uh, TM3 impact. And, um, we have one last question. All right. I promise just one question. And I think this will be, this is from tribe of mentors, Tim Ferriss. He's got 11 questions. He sends out to the, you know, all of these amazing people and they answer it. And the first question is, and I already know the answer to this, but I think, and I, I think there are people out there that are gonna, they're going to learn something about you that uh, they don't know already. So what book have you given the most as a gift (laughs) and why? So what is the book that you're like, my friends have to have this book. And then I think you should expound on that a little bit. Okay. Well, I have two. Okay. 
Can I, cause I just recently gave out maybe what is equal. To I know. That. Yes. Go ahead. You can do two. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to have an exception. You're going to have two. go ahead. Thank you. Since I, you're my wife, I'm going to let you have two. I am the exception. <laughs> <laughs> Words of affirmation. I have yes. to say that one thing that I think probably for the last six years that I have tried to do is words of affirmation to yourself. You're awesome. I'm the greatest. Yeah. I don't really believe that and feel that, but I feel like if you say some things enough, you'll connect. Yeah. There's some days where I feel awful, where I want to cry when I look in the mirror, right? Because at that moment I caught myself. But I feel like when somebody asks me, like, how are you? And you feel like, uh, they don't want the, they want the Disney you, right? Yeah. Yep. And so I think if you're like, I'm awesome, not in a fake way, but eventually the mind and the spirit yeah. will connect, catch up. Right. Yeah. I love it. So when I say things like I'm better than you, I'm awesome. Remember, those are my words of affirmation. I love it. That's okay. That with my hair. Yes, please. So my yes. two books, one, the most recent one I just read that I've shared with my friends is girl, wash your face. It's, I mean, the only thing I could say to summarize is it's liberating. I told you to read it because of course it's a girl book and that's great. But insight, I think you connect with me like no other. I mean, you're my person, a hundred percent. You understand me, you know what I want, you know what I'm looking for, you know when it's time to sleep in, you know when I want breakfast. I mean, like you know me, everything about me. But that book would give you any man insight into a woman as our society mm. because I'm not packaged into every single detail in this book. But there's so many women who need to hear what she has to say and be liberated from the, we'll call it the chains that they feel bound by. Yeah. And who's the author of that one? Rachel Hollis. Rachel Hollis. Yeah. Super. I super dig Rachel Hollis on, on, on uh, Instagram. No, no. Realer than yeah. real. Yeah. But what she talks about gives you the ability to be sympathetic and understand women of all places. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I had encouraged you. So that one, I mean, bar none. Okay. There's a reason why she's New York Times bestseller. Yeah. Coming out with the next one. Can't wait. Yep. Okay. So book number two, which is book number one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, this is a podcast, a real funny story. Yep. I like to clean and organize Spurs games playing. Yeah. I'm alphabetizing right. the cans or the spices in the spice rack. I like it. It's always been that way. I, I like it. There's a difference between organizing moving things and actually, you know, um, cleaning or, or tidying. Yep. Okay. And we're hinting, right? Yep. So every once in a while you'll watch a movie, I'm done. And I want to go, or you're watching the probably more like the basketball game. Mm -hmm. I want to go clean up. I want to tidy. So, you know, in every house you accumulate just junk bag of stuff, more stuff, shove it over here. People are coming over, stick it in the closet. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm going through stuff and in this bag of junk, I find this book and I'm like, Oh, the magic art of tidying up. <laughs> Fun. Yep. I don't read. You know that yep. you read enough. She, no, no, let's, uh, she knows how to read. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know how to read better than you. Yes, she does. But I don't read a lot of books. Right. Cause I don't find, you know, there's very few times. I mean, there are very few titles or books that like capture my attention. Right. I'm probably the one that starts and stops, you know, but if you read Marie Kondo, she gave you the gift, right? Mm -hmm. Of you know, the book told you what it needed to do and that's all. Okay. So let's go back to the book. Yep. I'm reading this book. I'm like, this is amazing. I call my sister. I just read the best book ever. Cover right. to cover. Finished it. She's right. like, Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. Which this one is, Nicole. is it? This is Nicole Snow White. So are we good? Yep. So I'm telling her about, it. I'm like, Oh, it's awesome. I've already gone through all my clothes. And she's like, wow, where did you get this book? Yeah. Cause I hadn't told her really the title at that point. I was like, Oh my gosh, I it was in a bag of junk. Right. How ironic, right? An right. organizing book in a bag of junk. <laughs> and she's like, it was in the back of your car. Wasn't it in the back? It was no, actually yeah. it was in a gift bag of junk that Nicole had given. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In it was actually probably junk that I put in there. Oh, got it. Yep. But she had gifted me this book yeah. for me to read. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know where I got it. You know, it, it, I don't remember buying it, but it's kind of a book that I would buy and totally can see myself buying that book. She's laughing. She's like, I bought you that book. Yeah. So that was in 2015. 
over the course of the last few years, we have implemented everything except for maybe the last two categories, which is the hardest. Yep. And recently we overcame it. Congratulations. Oop. You've now. <laughs> yes. So how do you like your new life? Listen, uh, for those of you, for the guys out there, I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to be a trend and just, it's going to be difficult. I will say this from the very beginning. In the beginning, this is not easy, the art of tidying up. But once you get in a rhythm and uh, for the ladies out there, what I'll say from my wife that I appreciate is she never pushed, you never pushed this on me. You never forced oh, I don't it. I push anything on you. Well... <laughs> Um, but you never pushed it on me. You read the book and you said, Hey, whenever you get a chance, whenever, you know, you should read this book. And so you had started already doing your closet and then you did the capsule wardrobe. And then I started to see this change. And this happened back in the day when, you know, when, when you became vegetarian, same thing, never forced it, but just kind of like, Hey, you know, Hey, you know, look what I'm doing, but you never pushed it on me. And it was, it was perfect. And it was the right step because had you ever pushed it out, I would have instantly rebelled. That's what guys do. We're like, no, uh -uh, I'm not tidying up. This is my stuff, right? But as I started to see the difference, and I started seeing your, your, you know, your 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 drawers, and seeing all, how everything was organized, I was like, well, I want my stuff to look like that. And so then I read the book. I read probably the first 60, 70 pages. And after you, after I was reading it, I was like, okay, this makes sense. So you've given this book to how many people? A ton of people, right? And more than one language. Yeah, I mean, it's, I it's a it. special book. Well, it's, okay, so both books, funny enough, when I started reading Rachel Hollis, she's like, you know, she, she prefaced it with, you know, hopefully you're picking this book instead of the magic art of tidying up. She, yeah. she mentions it, which yeah. I, I got the biggest laugh because now they're, but they're very similar. Yeah. Different subjects. The, the art of tidying up, I feel like it's not about tidy or how clean your house is. You know, I don't mean, you know, dust. I mean, right. you know, organize. It's liberating yeah. because you hang on to what I think the whole essence of the book for me, what I got yeah. was we hang on to our past. Mm. We're not in the current and we certainly aren't making room for the future because we are so much a part of the past. Oh, this was my Jersey from high school, or these are all my photo albums. Not that any of that isn't important, but yeah. it's, it's weighing our house and our lives so down because it's all about the past yeah. instead of today and what tomorrow brings. Yeah. So I think instead of focusing on what you have, or what you're letting go, it's it's about what you have. So the, for us, what we're trying to live by yep. right now is if we have it, use it. Yep. If we don't use it, don't have it. Yeah. And I think the things that we love and appreciate, the little mementos or in my closet, I have a couple little things that are hanging. Those are special for me. Yeah. But if I have them in a drawer or in a cabinet, I'm not really having them part of my life today. Yeah. Then they should go. Right. Yep. And I think that's the thing is that it, it helped me understand what I love and know who I am as a person. And it was more than just organizing. So coming into 40, what? Yeah. I'm okay with it. Yep. But coming into this milestone, I feel really confident about who I am. Yeah. And not only do I like everything about what I have, and I don't mean tangible, but like my family and my lifestyle, everything, yeah. I feel really confident. Hmm. And I know that the future, it's just ready. It's yeah. that quote that I love that says, um, she woke up one morning and she realized she'd forgotten the meaning of impossible. Mm. And she thought it must have not been that important. <laughs> I mean, so what, so those books I love them. I love to pass them on. If you see me, tell me you don't have it and I'll get it for and you. And she will get I, it for I you. I stock, yeah. not, uh, not S-T-O-C-K, but yeah. stock the half price books yeah. for all the KonMari books yeah. that people Smart. have liberated and I give them away. Yeah, anyway. Smart. Well, listen, I want to thank you for being, number one, an awesome wife, mm. an amazing mommy. Um, if you, if you've met my son, you know that Christina is one heck of a mama and Enzo cherishes her. He, he, he likes me too, but he, he only likes to wrestle beso with me. He likes snuggles and mommy and movies. And so you've done an amazing job with our family, with little man. And I really appreciate you. I have something that we have to yep. add that we forgot to talk about Uh oh. for you. Yes. We missed Disney. 
Well, yeah. Okay. That, go ahead. Talk about it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Tell everybody. Don't ask me. Yeah. We we got a little bit left because I don't want our little our our one of our one oh, of we our went long. Yeah. One of our mics died, so we got you got a little bit of time. We talk. Yeah. That's okay. No. I, yeah. I want to tell you um, one thing I'm really excited about and yep. that I'd like to share so that we um, um, can encourage others to pursue their dream. Yes. So I got an opportunity, super awesome. It'll happen tomorrow. Yep. Um, to, uh, sit down with the casting director for Disney animation. Yeah. And I have always, always, always wanted to sing for Disney. Always. Yep. It's the classic. It's the thing that doesn't, it's forever. Yep. It's the legacy. And for me, being able to do that means that my son will always have that. Right. And so um, I'm really excited not only to meet a very powerful woman, uh, Jamie Roberts, and yeah. the the business to be in L.A. with a great friend and, and gallivant the town without right. you. Sorry. I'm a little jealous. Um, but to be part of that and have the opportunity. So I pray and hope that it goes well. And if it's for me and if it's not, that's not the universe conspiring against me. That's right. <laughs> this is just part of the journey. This is part of the journey. This is yeah. one step in that direction. But I want to talk about that only because we've come full circle. Yeah. Right? From the times where, you know, it's it's not looking good to the moment where you're checking off the list. Yeah. Right? And I feel like my list is so checked. So checked. Yeah. But this is one thing that I get to add that I'm very excited about. Well, I can't wait to hear all about it. I can't wait. I'm sure I'm going to get the full report tomorrow. Yes. After the meeting. Yes. Well, listen, thank you for being on TM3 Impact. Super excited for what is to come in our journey. We'll be celebrating 20 years married in December. So for all of you that uh, know us, just know that... uh, it doesn't have to be easy, right? It's not about it being easy, but it's about working through it together, communicating, and having a ton of fun along the way. Yeah. So love you, babe. Thank you for being on the show. 